Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's happening here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Glad you are here on our first weekend of our brand new schedule. So thank you for remembering that, and uh, we are excited about what this will allow us uh, to do. Um, It's a change. I know in church world, people don't like to change. They say only wet babies like to be changed. Uh, I came from a church, very traditional church, and believe me, if you could get the visual of trying to kickstart a 747, that's what it was like trying to bring about a change, but uh, it's a little easier in a contemporary church, and we try to evaluate not just what we do, but how we do what we do to be sure we're effective. And when you read all the research concerning when people will likely go to church, you read just all the research, they say the most likely day they'll go is a Sunday, you know, duh. And then they say the most likely times on Sunday they'll attend would be between nine and noon. So we just made a practical decision to try to enhance and encourage people to attend during these hours by bolstering up uh, that service time. And so thank you for uh, kind of making this adjustment so we could get a third service in as well. The nine o'clock was full. This service looks wonderful. I'm curious about the twelve. We'll we'll see what happens, but you have to evaluate. You really do. You have to. It's just like your business, and just like in life, you have to evaluate what's effective. Like the Lone Ranger might say, "When uh, silver dies, you dismount." Did you get it? So sometimes you just have to abandon if they're not working. Silver was the horse, by the way. Uh, So the point is, sometimes you have to evaluate what you're doing. If it's not working, you do something different. But uh, that's kind of what we're doing. So thank you for being here for the 1030 service. And we're so grateful to have you here. Now, when surveys were done, not a religious survey, but just a survey was done throughout the country where people were asked, what is the thing you desire most in life? Just a basic question. They were curious to see how people would respond. And what the interesting thing that really kind of set the analysts back is they didn't hear from those people surveyed what they thought they would hear. Uh, They thought they would hear things more uh, materialistic, like uh, fame. I I like to be famous, or I like to be uh, wealthy, or, you know, more successful, a monetary response. Uh, Even though there's nothing wrong with those things, um, there's nothing wrong with money. Probably the, 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 the most misquoted verse in the Bible is this one where it says, money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not what it says. That's how it's quoted, but that's not what it says. Money is not the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, meaning what a person is willing to do to get money is the root of all that is evil in the world. Not money. Money is morally neutral. The same $100 that can buy baby formula can buy drugs. It's not the money, it's what you do with the money, right? So they thought, well, more people would respond, well, I'd like to make more money, and they didn't respond that way. It was on the list, but not in the top. And what they were surprised to see was the top three things people responded to. Number one, they said love, love. I like to feel love. I like to love someone unconditionally. I, I, would, I, I don't have that in my life, and I would love that very much. That was the n- number one response was love. Number two was happiness, happiness. People said, I just love to, you know, I I wished I could be happy and I wish I could experience that continually in my life. It's just not a reality. Uh, We kind of do these little touch and goes with happiness, but it's not something that's a constant. So they said happiness. And here's the third one, and this is the one I want to focus on. They said peace. I'd love to have peace. 
peace in my heart and peace in my home and peace in my life. I, I just would love to have some peace, just peace and quiet, just, just some serenity and some solitude and just, just have some peace. And that ended up being the top three things that people, not a religious study at all, just people out, average guy on the street, that's what they responded to, love, happiness, and peace. Well, I found in my life that peace is one of those things that, you know, it can be elusive at times. I don't know anyone that is constantly, consistently, continuously peaceful. You know, you have those moments when you are, then you have those moments when you aren't. And I could tell you first and foremost that you have to begin to look at the gauges of your life if you're a person who's not experiencing peace. Uh, the first gauge I would look is your physical gauge. When Paul described how God made us in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says we are physical and we are emotional and we are spiritual, right? So look at your physical gauge. Sometimes you're not peaceful and you don't have peace because it's a physiological issue in your life that you may not be aware of. You, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, it's amazing to me how many people that I encounter all the time that never go to the doctor, never get a checkup, never have blood work done. They just kind of go through life. And, and sometimes you, you, you may find that what you're struggling with is physiological. Uh, it can be remedied with a, a doctor's visit and a great uh, analysis of what's going on in your, in your body. I had a lady who came to see me years ago and she was dealing with some issues in her life and we talked kind of through it and I was kind of giving her you know, some biblical counsel because that's all I, I'm not a psychologist and I'm certainly not a physician. I don't even play one on the weekends. I just try to, try to give her a little bit of counsel and I realized her problem really wasn't spiritual. It was something other than that. I didn't even think it was psychological. I just finally asked her, I said, look, I don't want to get in your business, but when's the last time you went to your doctor and just got a checkup, you know? And she said, I can't remember the last time I went. And I said, why don't you go do that? There may be something off that's creating all this unrest in your life, and you may find that this is, you know, a physical issue you're facing. And sure enough, few weeks later, she called me and she said, Bill, you're exactly right. I had this blood work done. They found an issue. They're addressing it now. And I've, I've found some balance in my life that I didn't have. So I'm just saying, as I go into our talk this morning, sometimes what we're trying to address on the weekends is something that can be handled during the week by just going to a doctor, right? Not rocket science. Um, uh, sometimes it's not uh, that. Sometimes it's emotional. It, 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 this is psychological. Sometimes you're dealing with some pain from your past or you're dealing with some abuse that you've had in your life. And so it's not really spiritual. It is more psychological, more emotional. Uh, and and you, you, you need to get some help with that too. Swallow your pride. Go talk to somebody that can help you navigate through that. All of us have struggles. None of us are perfect. We all deal with things in different ways in different areas of our life. So as I'm just saying, if you don't have peace it could be physiologically, it could be psychological, but you don't know, again, what you don't know. An evangelist by the name of Junior Hill played college football, and uh, he complained for years and years about his knee hurting, hurting him all the time. He went to several orthodox, and they just couldn't find anything wrong with his knee to explain why he was hurting. He goes, well, I can just tell you, man, my knee is really giving me trouble. He finally went to one, and he checked his hip, he said, Junior, the problem's not your knee, the problem is your hip. And he said, my hip doesn't hurt, my knee hurts. And he said, well, who's the doctor here, me or you? And he said, well, okay. He goes, well, let's deal with your hip. And he dealt with the hip, and he said, my knee's never bothered me since. 
But I'm just saying sometimes you work on your knee when your hip's broke and you don't know what you don't know. So I'm saying if you're struggling with peace, sometimes you need to check the physical box and check the emotional box. And then me and you can talk about the spiritual box. Because I think with more people, and more often than not, the reason people don't have peace is more spiritual, even than physiological or psychological. And I think a lot of it is priority. I think sometimes we don't have real peace in our life because it's a matter of priority. We're trying to put a lot of things together and figure out life. And sometimes the last thing we deal with or address is our spiritual life. I mean, we get around to it after everything else is done. You know, we take care of ourselves physically. We make sure the business is working. We make sure there's money there. Uh, We have relationships. We try to give attention to our uh, uh, emotional health. And sometimes, guys, we put off the most significant part of our life, which is spiritual, until the peace becomes such a thing that is vacant in our life. We've tried everything else. Now let's try the God thing. And I'm not critical of it. I'm just simply saying I understand it. And sometimes we don't look to the Lord till we don't have any other choice. And sometimes he'll knock every prop out of your life till you realize when, as I said a few weeks ago, when he's all you have, he's really kind of all you need. And so the relationship we have with God should be, considering those three areas, it should be foundational. Because when Jesus was talking in 1 Corinthians 3, he said there's not a better foundation that you could lay than the foundation that has been laid, which is Christ Jesus meaning he is the foundation upon which everything in life is built on. You ought to build your physical life on that foundation, your emotional life. You ought to build your relationships on that foundation, your business on that foundation. In other words, everything foundationally in your life could come off of the, of, of the foundation of a relationship with Jesus. It should be fundamental and foundational because it can bring about an enormous amount of peace in your life. In fact, peace was a common greeting in the time of Christ. You would encounter someone on the street and they'd say, shalom. It was a blessing. It was a a salutation. It was a well wish. It was wishing them prosperity and wishing them blessing and wishing them peace. And yet oftentimes in the time of Christ, just as it is in our day, shalom, peace was not something the average person experienced a lot of. They struggled with finding it. People still do. People try to find it in different things, and they're trying to, again, fill that void in their life with different things to try to get the peace that they desperately need. Remember, it was one of the top three things the average guy on the street said they needed. And so if that's a basic need that you and I all all have, then certainly if we're not experiencing it, we're going to try to find it in so many uh, different ways. And some of the ways we try to pursue it aren't necessarily healthy. But it's one of the things that Jesus wanted to clarify with his apostles, and he wanted to make sure that they understood that peace was possible. In fact, in John 14, it's kind of the text for the series, so let me give this to you in John 14, 27. This is Jesus just before the cross. This is Jesus talking to his disciples, knowing that soon he would not be with them physically. And the thing that he is talking to them about, the thing that he's going to impart with them, and the thing that he's going to tell them that's going to be significant, to being effective in your life and ministry is peace. So listen to what Jesus said, John 14, 27. Peace, I leave with you. I'm gonna give you shalom. I'm gonna give you peace. He said, it's my peace I give you. Understand, this is a gift. God's saying, I'm gonna give you the peace I have. Now understand, these guys had seen Jesus. They had seen what a peaceful person he was. Uh, You remember in Mark three or four, when they're out on the boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and that storm comes up suddenly and they're fearful that they're gonna die. And remember what Jesus was doing? He's in the bottom of the boat 
asleep. Don't you hate it when you're panicking and no one else is? I mean, man, I don't know about you, but if I'm panicking, I want everybody everybody panicking right along with me. And isn't it incredible when you're in a desperate situation and you feel like you're desperate and God isn't, or you're in a hurry and he's not? Come on, Jesus, I need you now. It's 911 time. Come on, come on, come on. And he's like, nah, we're good. And so Simon Peter was hitting the, I mean, he was hitting the panic button and he goes down in the bottom of the boat. And what was interesting about it is Jesus has so much peace, the storms didn't disturb him. He had so much peace that the threat of life did not affect him. <laughs> he had so much peace that he could, you talk about a sound sleeper, man, that's a sound sleeper. But you know what, you know what woke Jesus up? He, he listen, he awakened to the voice of one of his frightened kids. You know what, God always, the heart of God always moves toward one of his kids when they get in trouble, when they get afraid. And Simon Peter said, this is great. He said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? Have you ever been there? Let's don't criticize, oh, Simon Peter. Have you ever been in a situation where you wondered if God cares? I mean, where you say, man, my world is falling apart. I mean, every, I'm, I'm, I've lost people. I've, stuff's not working right. Everybody else seems to be doing good, but me? Don't you care? And I mean, that's in the heart of a child that's desperate. That's in the heart of a child that knows Jesus. You can be all that and still feel that way. And Jesus gets up and he goes out, remember, on the deck of that, of that boat, and he just says three words, peace, be still. And all of a sudden, man, it was a calm. What's the point? The point is when you have his peace, it doesn't keep you out of the storm. It just means he's going to go with you in the storm and he's going to give you peace through the storm. <laughs> I mean, he says, this is my peace. This is the peace I had in the storm. I'm going to give you guys this. It's the peace I had in the garden when they came to arrest me. Remember Simon Peter panicked? The, the disciples were packing, man, they're carrying. He, he pulls a sword out, man. He's concealed and carry. He pulls that sword out and tries to cut Malchus's ear off. I actually think he was going for his head and he just, his sights were off and he got his ear. He needed to go to the range. He was off a little bit. You remember what Jesus did? He just reached down and said, well, good night, Simon Peter, chill. He gets the guy's ear and just sticks it back on his head. A lot of humor in the Bible. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little twisted, but that's all that was. I thought that was funny. It's interesting. He's peaceful. When he's going to the trials before Pilate and when he's being accused of all these things, he's peaceful. Even at the cross in the darkest moments of his life and the closing hours of his life, he looks out and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Peaceful. In fact, after the resurrection in John 20, when he shows up in the upper room to meet them, you know what he says? Peace be unto you. Peaceful. So Jesus here is saying to them, peace I leave with you. It's my peace. This is the peace you've seen. I give. It's not as the world gives. Man, the world gives you something that's temporal and passing and it's not lasting. And, you know, you wake up later and you sober up later and all this kind of, you, you, it doesn't last this is not the type peace I'm talking about. He said, look, don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's saying, I'm going to give you a peace that you've not experienced. I'm going to give you a peace that will sustain you. I'm going to give you a peace that will carry you through the dark times. It's my peace. 
So you say, okay, Bill, how do I put that together? How, how do I have that peace? Well, first of all, you need peace with God. Peace with God. You see, you can't have that peace unless you've connected with your creator. You remember, Scott touched on this a little last weekend, but you remember when God created everything in the garden? We talk about how he stepped from nowhere and he stood on nothing and he spoke everything into existence. And then it all stays there because he tells it to, <laughs> sustaining all things by the power of his word. You remember when all that went down? Jesus spoke everything in creation. He, he spoke it into existence until it came to Adam and Eve and he touched them. He reached down and scooped out of dirt and he created man. And he, even though he formed them, there wasn't life there. They were formed but until he blew into their nostrils the breath of life, man didn't become a living soul. So he filled what he formed. God can form something, but if he doesn't fill it with a spirit, there's no life there. You can honor God in your business, but if he doesn't fill it with his presence, there's no life there. You can honor God with your relationship, but if you don't bring his spirit into it, there's no life there. It can be formed, but it has to be filled. And once they were formed and filled, they understood their function. <laughs> Take care of this place fellowship with me. And so God touched mankind. The first thing according to scripture that we know God physically touched is he touched mankind. And ever since that moment, there's been a desire in the heart of people to be touched by God. Not only is a human touch a powerful thing, Scott had talked about it relating to raising kids and how nurturing is so important and loving is so important and nurturing is a human part of our human condition that God has wired into us. But more than just connecting with one another, there is a desire that is inherent in all of us to connect with the Creator. It involves understanding purpose. It's, it involves experiencing forgiveness. I mean, people go through life without peace because they've never connected with the Prince of Peace. And so I just suggest to you, before we talk more about peace, let me ask you on the spiritual side, have, has there been a moment in your life when you've made peace with God? In other words, can you point to a time in your life when you humbled your heart and you invited Jesus into your life? Did that happen? I, I talked to a friend one time and they said, you know, Bill, I feel like I've always been a Christian. I just feel like I've always been one. Kind of like evolution. I've just kind of, it's always been a part of my life. Good family, good, you know, all that kind of, I, I get that. But there needs to be a specific time. You, you don't need to know necessarily or recall the exact moment and place, but there needs to be a moment and place and time when you actually receive Jesus and connected with your creator. Think about what Jesus said in John 3. Nicodemus came to him confused, trying to figure it out. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, here it is. I'll, I'll give it to you simple. Uh, you must be born again. He said, that which is born of flesh is flesh. There's a physical birth. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. There's a spiritual birth. And just as you've been born physically, you need to be born spiritually. And Nicodemus didn't understand. He goes, how's that going to work? I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. And Jesus said, look, Nicodemus, you simply receive Jesus as Savior. You invite him into your life. And what happens just as you've been born physically, you are now reborn spiritually. Now, I don't remember the details of the day I discovered America in November 11, but I know what happened. I've got a birth certificate. I've got the testimony of my mama who would tell you 
And I'm just suggesting to you that we can all, or we should be able to all look back at a moment or in time or a place when we said, I connected with my creator. And if you've invited him in your life, listen, you've made peace with God. That's not something you have to do over and over again. You've got that relationship. It's established and settled. Now, the second thing I want to talk to you about is peace from God. Now, that's something you have to do over and over again. Because the peace God gives you, the peace that comes from God, is circumstantial. It, it depends on what you're going through. You, you get a certain degree of faith, uh, uh, rather, you get a certain degree of, um, of, of peace, like a certain degree of grace. God will give you what you need when you need it. He doesn't give you more than you need until you need it. But God will give you peace as he gives you grace. Now, did I read that verse? I didn't read that verse. Let's jump back up to verse one. Sorry, guys, track with me here. Uh, Colossians 1.20, let me give peace with God. The Bible says, through him to recognize, uh, reconcile rather himself, all things whether on earth or in heaven by making peace through the blood, through his blood shed on the cross. All right, that's the verse for peace with God. Some of you note takers are going, wait a minute. So let me hit that one. He's talking about being reconciled and having peace with God. Now, fast forward, here's where we were. Peace of, from God, rather, is Philippians 4, 9. Paul said, this is practical. Notice how this happens. He said, whatever you have learned, received, or heard, or seen from me, put it into practice. Paul is saying, there's some things you know you need to do, and when you do the things you know you need to do, here's what's going to happen. Listen, the peace of God will be with you. So there's a peace with God I have in relationship, and then there's a peace that comes from God when I put into practice some basic disciplines of life, when I partner with God, when I look to him. Remember that Isaiah passage, Isaiah 40, when he says, those who wait on the Lord renew their strength? They mount up with wings as eagles. They're, they can run and not be weary. They walk and they don't faint. That, that's a, that sounds like a peaceful person. <laughs> they're not stressed. They're, they're highly you know, motivated. They're great achievers, but yet they're doing it with a sense of peace. But the secret of that verse in Isaiah 40 is waiting on the Lord. And what does it mean to wait on him? It means you look to him, you listen to him, you lean on him. And I'm just saying that, man, when you're listening for God and when you're leaning on him and you're looking to him, what he gives you is he gives you peace. Paul said, you've seen me practice this in my daily life. You've seen the way I walk and the way I work. And he's saying, look, put, put the things that I've tried to model before you, kind of follow that pattern. And what you'll see in your life is what I've seen in mine. And that's God will give you, he'll give you his peace. You know, I, I said a moment ago, um, Grace and peace are, are, are really connected. In fact, when Paul would write a lot of the letters, you know, they, they're called epistles. The epistles of Paul, they're not the, the epistles aren't the wives of the apostles. The, the epistles are, are letters, right? Epistles, letters. And he would open them this way. He would say, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you catch the order? Grace precedes peace. Because peace comes through a relationship with Jesus. Grace and peace. It's my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God said, I'm going to give you my peace. His peace comes through his grace. So when I made peace with God, that's grace, and I've received him as Savior, I can now experience this peace from God. And as I said a moment ago, he'll give me what I need when I need it. I've seen that happen with grace. You ever talk to somebody and you've heard their story and some of the things they've experienced in life, your heart goes out to them, and you find yourself wondering, I don't know if I went through what they've gone through, if I would have handled it as well as they have. 
You know, have you ever had that, that thought? I mean, you have friends, and I know people, we have stories in the church that are incredible, some of the things people have gone through. And I'll catch myself, and I've heard a lot of things, I'll catch myself going, man, I don't, I, I don't, know, how they, I don't, I don't know how they navigate it. Man, my heart goes out to them. I'm just so blown away by how well they're doing with what they've got. You know what it hit me? Is that the reason they're doing as well as they're doing, going through what they're going through, is they're partnering with God, and he's giving them grace the grace that they needed and the peace that they needed to get through what they're going through. And when I look at them and I think, I don't know how I would, well, God's not giving me that grace or that peace because I'm not going through what they're going through. So I can look at their life and be a non and may, I can look at you and just be amazed at your strength and how stable and peaceful you are, but because I don't have, because I don't need the grace or the peace that you have because you need it for where you are. Another way to illustrate it. The old preachers that I grew up listening to used to have an expression, they called it dying grace. Dying grace. That when your time comes to leave this earth, you step from the temporal into the eternal, God will give you his grace and his peace to face that moment. And then they would base it on Psalm 23, where the psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know what the next line says, I fear no evil. Why? for thou art with me. Peace is in a presence. Now, I've often thought about if I ever got dying grace, I think it'd scare me to death. <laughs> you got to think about that. One. I mean, really, if I ever got complete dying grace and I just felt like I'm good with it, I'm peaceful about it, I'm thinking, uh-oh, am I that close? I mean, I shouldn't have grace about it. I shouldn't have peace about this I, I, unless I need it. So my point is, even in the things that you and I fear the most, God will give us what we need when we need it. As we partner with him, his grace comes and his peace comes. And I don't know if you've been with a loved one when they've left this earth. I have. I remember in the hospital with Shannon and Billy there and Cindy was about to step into heaven. I can remember in that hospital room in that moment, there being just such an incredible sense of, of peace. Peace. We didn't have a lot of it. Our hearts were broken. Still are. But God brought into that hospital room a, a huge sense of his grace and his peace. So I can tell you from personal experience, you don't get it until you need it. But when you need it, it's there. It's a peace from God. And I have it because we made peace with God. And I'm just suggesting to your heart that whatever you face in life and whatever this year holds for you, if you've got peace with God and you're partnering with him, you'll have peace from God. He won't fail you. He won't let you down. You may feel like Simon Peter, you're on the, you're on the ship, fearful. There may be even times when you find yourself thinking, Master, do you care? But if you keep calling out and crying out to God, sooner or later, he'll come around. He'll love on you a little bit, and he'll say, peace, be still. And the storms of your life will subside, and you'll make it through the day. It's the peace from God. No wonder Jesus said, that's what you need, guys. You need peace. Prosperity is good. Build that business. Set those goals. 
Relationships are wonderful. Strengthen that marriage and, and, you know, build that relationship. That's wonderful. But above everything else and while you get everything else, get peace. You need is peace. So you have the peace from God. You have peace with God. Here's the last one and we'll close. You have the peace of God. It's a peace that passes all understanding. Look at Philippians 4, 7. Paul said this peace transcends all understanding. And notice what this peace of God will do. It will guard your minds and hearts in Christ Jesus. Now get the word picture. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. The Bible says out of the heart flows all the issues of life. Everything about you and me comes from our heart. It's our mind. It's our will. It's our emotion. Our heart. So important. And he's saying that when you have my peace with God, from God, of God, Paul said, just as these Roman guards are guarding me right now, he said, the peace of God will guard you. That's what Jesus talked about the first part of John 14. Remember how that chapter opens? Let not your hearts be troubled. And then he closed it by saying, the peace of God I'm going to give you. And Paul said, that peace that God gives you guards your heart. It, it, it keeps you on the right road. It keeps you in the right frame of mind. It encourages you when life is confusing and discouraging if you have his peace. And Jesus said, I promise I'll give that. Let me give this to you and we'll go. 1903, there was a Presbyterian minister who lost two kids. Two of his young kids died. He talked about the valley that he went through, and he talked about the brokenness in his home and in his heart going through such a terrible experience. Some of you in the room have walked that road, and some of you watching online have walked that road. And so he wanted to share what God had taught him in that experience, and he wrote the lines that have now become a hymn. Here's what he wrote. There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. It's a place where sin cannot molest. It's near to the heart of God. Oh, Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who wait before thee near to the heart of God. I've told you before, friend, you may go through something that takes your feet out. You can fall on the rock, but you won't fall off of it. And by the way, as I've told you before, there. There's no better place to fall if you're going to fall than fall at his feet. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that never grows old, that always accomplishes purpose. And I pray for my friends, those in the room and those watching who are struggling today. Some of them relationally and some of them financially and some of them in ways that they probably don't feel comfortable talking to their closest friends. And one of the things that's so elusive in their life right now is peace. Father, I pray as a gift from heaven, you would give them peace. First, Father, I pray that they've made peace with you, that they know you as Savior. And then, Father, I pray they'll get into the discipline of partnering with you and following you when they can experience peace for every trial and grace for every experience. And above all else, Lord, I pray they'll be able to look back at their life and know I've got the peace of God that transcended all my understanding. He had me through the whole trial. Father, give them that peace. And Lord, I pray if they've never received you, this might be that moment.
where they humble their heart and they pray this simple prayer, Lord Jesus, with everything I know about me, I now trust all that I know about you. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Be a reality in my life. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us by visiting metchurch.com so that we can follow up with you this week. We look forward to seeing you next week.